Welcome back to another episode of Escaping Gilead. This is for the eighth episode of the fifth season. This one was called Motherland. This is Paul. This is Caroline. Motherland. Last episode was No Man's Land. This one is Motherland. We talked a lot about how I didn't feel like they had anywhere to go. They were in No Man's Land. And in fact, now Commander Lawrence is presenting this concept of the motherland. Returning to where you're from, otherwise known as the motherland. Plus, there's all the other added definitions that you might get from June and her refocusing on Hannah, her role as Hannah's mother. And you have Serena having to cope with trying to earn and become Noah's mother. Mm. So lots of mothering. It's the land of the mothers. Lots of mothering, yes. <laughs> Who do you want to start with this week? Well, we have several characters with very busy agendas. Serena's probably got the shortest one, though. So let's start with Serena. Serena. Let's start with Serena. (laughs) What do you think about this situation where the concept that you had pitched a couple weeks ago about her having to become a handmaid was being telegraphed, but not being spoken outright. But in this episode, it was actually said, I guess, maybe for the for the kids in the back that weren't listening, Mm -hmm. uh, that you are a handmaid. Or she, because she had to say it, I'm not a handmaid. Right. What were your thoughts about her needing to play the game, to get back into the Wheeler's house? I think it was very fast that we got into this position that, you know, that Wheeler's got the baby in the first place, that that was where the baby was placed and that she was going to be in this position of having to go directly back to that house. There's something about this entire series, though, that has that, you know, how that like upsets my heart so much. I will never, ever forget the Game of Thrones when the guy gets away in the woods and he finally finds someone to help him and that person proceeds to directly return him to his captors. And this is how this one feels like. It's like, it's like boomerang right back exactly where you came from. Makes you wonder how the wheelers got to the top of the Canadian Child Protective Services foster list. Agreed. Very much agreed. It seems to me if it was the Canadian services that were picking up the baby, I don't know why anyone with any Gilead background would be anywhere on the acceptable list. Very odd. You know, that's part of the world building that we'll talk a little bit more under Commander Lawrence about exactly what's going on with leadership and who has pull where. But we just it's we have to say, okay, fine. The wheelers have enough power to get themselves to the top of the list to have Noah. My heart was breaking when Serena had to have that conversation with Mrs. Wheeler and we're hearing this cry it out method. I mean, I immediately looked at you and was like, this baby is way too young for any cry it out method. Like, this is nuts. If the baby learns anything at that point, it's that they can't rely on adults, you know? I, they're not learning anything. They are just abandoned. It's they're, terrible. Right. They're being neglected. It's a terrible situation. There may be a time and a place when the child is older, when you start to, you know, try to have some distance and self-soothing and whatnot. But a one-month-old, it was good that we got the age of the baby. It did help us understand. We did have a, somewhat of a time jump um, of a month to understand how long, you know, all of this has been going on. It's very hard to get any real good satisfaction out of Serena going back to, you know, a handmaid's position because 
I know it's what people want. I know they want that come up and they think that it's going to feel great to have her finally see what it feels like. For me, I don't want to watch anyone be tortured. I, I don't want to watch the cruelty of what's going on here. So it's difficult for me to have them be like, hey, look, now we're going to take the villain and make them go through the same torture. Do you think they will switch it up? Do you think Serena will handle this very different than June so that we do get a different narrative? Well, I wonder because June's advice to her was to do what June did. Bide your time and and pick your battle and, and get out when the getting's good. And that took the whole first season. And then when she was recaptured, some of the second season until she like burned the Waterford's house down. So that took a long time. But I wonder if Serena is going to be a little more antsy than that. Well, she's certainly, she's not a Gilead, right? So, yeah. I mean, when we have June be a handmaid, I mean, she had layer after layer after layer after layer. She was in another country, right? So, with Serena, with the Wheelers, there's far less actual obstacles for her to get out of that house and True. be in, like, a free place. Well, but somehow the Wheelers have this weird pull where they have hired they goons. They somehow have it with the Canadian government that they're the first on the foster list for this kid right which implies something some sort of status or some sort right. of you know i mean yes you're right it is nothing compared to the gestapo that was waiting for june just outside the gates of well the and even waterford like estate. once she runs outside the waterford estate where are you going exactly you know like so you still have like an entire country to to you know traverse so there is a difference here for sure it made me feel glad to see Serena back with the baby, which, you know, again, I don't I have no love for Serena. I am not confused that she she is absolutely a snake and will do whatever she needs to do to get what she wants out of any situation. So I don't trust her at all. But it was still heartwarming to see them come back together. And I loved the the actress that plays like the baby's nurse that was in there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Her smile warmed my heart so much. I cannot even tell you, Paul. Like it actually made me feel like Noah was safer than I thought he was because that nurse was around. Like that that helper was there and she just she just had such a big smile and was like, Yes, yes uh, please come in. Like I was like, Oh my goodness, what a wonderful woman. It also made me wonder a little bit about the helpers in the Wheeler house. Like are they being paid staff members or are these like in any way against their will being there? Or is there some sort of mix of like they can leave, but they're not really getting paid. Somehow they're also Gilead wannabe people. Like, hmm. I don't know, but I kind of wonder about the staff in general. I didn't have too many questions about them. I mean, that woman had such a genuine smile that indentured servitude seems like it would have crushed that no none that, of it makes of sense her. but none of it makes sense of like why would you choose to work at the wheelers if you had a choice of working anywhere in the world that's true why would you work there so i don't know i, I the only reason why i bring it up is because it kind of goes back to like what was the environment june was in well everybody was desperate everybody was against their will like there was like this like kind of common ground but also there was like a I need to do what I need to do to survive so I can't help you. So shut up and act right kind of attitude that you got out of some people. And this was a different feel. So I didn't know if there would be more allies for Serena, more help to get out, more general like understanding, or if these people were like very brainwashed into wanting to be a part of a Gilead world. We'll put a pin in that one because my impression is that they're in Canada. I think they probably have labor laws there. I can't know that for sure. 
but I think they're just working for a wage. But you never know. But you, you know how know. the doctor called the person at his house a Martha? That is true. Remember all that stuff? Like, so I just didn't understand, like, are these people from Gilead who are just like, like, are they living at the home and they're not allowed to leave the fence? And that they just don't even really realize exactly where they are or whatever. Maybe like, that doctor I don't know. was just being sassy. Oh, and I, I and if he, he gets back been. home and he says, that's my Martha, maybe the lady be like, quit calling me that. I told you <laughs> my name is Pamela. Pamela. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. It the whole it it made me wonder what type of support system Serena possibly would have had because certainly no one was smiling at June, you know, when she was going through everything. And so it makes me wonder, you know, are these people going to be a little more open minded? Will they be cooler? Will they support Serena? Will they protect Serena in any way? What will happen with with that group? But they definitely set this all up. And there were some great lines. There was a lot of pleading between Serena with June with Commander Lawrence, somebody help her, all this kind of stuff. I loved the different lines that were coming out of like Commander Lawrence. It was good stuff. The irony deficiency. That was so funny. I actually used it the other day that is a on great someone. Line. <laughs> it's an excellent dad joke. I, well, it's 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 a little cut above because yeah? it, it's it's well, it's punny. Well, it is punny, but it it's it's better than a pun. Yeah, it's a sophisticated pun. Yeah, right. It's it's a mature. It's an ascot wearing pun. Right. It, it, it's, it's a master's level pun. I love it. I love it. So, I mean, what do you feel about Serena's story going forward? I mean, she's going to be here at the Wheelers getting to nurse Noah. Thank goodness. I think she will chance it at some point. Like so, run? Sooner than later. I mean, it's reasonable because I think that there's just like far less barriers for her to get out. And June tried to run all the time. Serena has like little little jags in her in her graph, right? Where yeah. she's not pure evil all the time, right? But it seems like Alanis, man, she bottoms out the chart all the time, it seems. I mean, she she has this baby that she's practically calling her own, right? Because she's saying, well, you're not a fit mother and I'm the only other woman here. So, you know, ipso fatso, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm this kid's mom. Right. But she... How much time did you see her actually hold or regard the child? Like a second, 10 seconds at most? I would call it like pure gaslighting to constantly be telling someone like, you're not fit to be a mom. You think that way. So therefore you're not a good mom. Like, I mean, this is an excellent way to make the other person be like, I'm not a good mom. I, I'm not a good mom. Like you could really start messing with people really quick. And of course, I don't think... I don't think having a child really has much to do with like wanting to love on a baby for most of these people. It seems to be about status, power. Look how important I am. I was granted a child, you know, well, all those world, things. It's, it's the ultimate it's status not, symbol. Yeah. I was going to say luxury, but, you know, there's something that other people want that no one can get. Status symbol. Right. Yeah. So that's where I'm looking at the wheelers. I mean, I don't think she has any interest in nurturing anybody anywhere. She just, this is the, how a Gilead life is supposed to look. You get a child. So we'll see what happens with that crew, but I'm with you, Serena. She, she's, she is far less patient than June. So I agree with you that my best guess is she will try to scat out of there as soon as possible. I have two other main characters and then just a couple other show at large notes would you like to go with june or commander lawrence 
Let's talk about Commander Lawrence next, because he really, you know, talks so much to Serena and to June in this episode that I kind of feel like he's a good bridge between everybody. Right. So he's like that. He's like that tea piece or what is it like a star piece? You remember those like remember that that toy that had like the wooden circles and then it had like those little kind of like plastic sticks that came off of them. But there were certain ones that were like hubs yeah. that like all the sticks came out of. Remember those? Yeah. That's Commander Hubs. <laughs> yeah. Commander Lawrence slash Commander Hubs. Everything seems to be running through him, which I am a little bit questioning. Tinker Toys. That's what those Tinker are. Toys. Tinker Toys. I'm a little questioning with Captain Tinker Toy because he... T-squared. Have such an important role, it seems now. After killing Putnam, certainly he was given like complete respect from all the other commanders. But you and I know, world building wise, that there are commanders at a much higher level at D- in DC and a much higher level of torture and cruelty. Like, let's not forget those those handmaids with their mouths sewn shut. All of those people exist. And I don't get how those people would be cool with New Bethlehem. That's a good point. Within every uh, political party, there are ends of the spectrum, although in this environment there's only one political party it's autocratic right so you can have ends of a spectrum but like nobody is so far being regarded as like the president or the leader or the whatever no i'm just lawrence but that's very informal like no one ever says he's the one in charge or whatever. Now we saw this this fellow commander who had a lot of questions about New Bethlehem and wasn't so sure he was going to go along with it, who felt like he was struck by the hand of the Lord, right. and all of a sudden he was like, "I'm sorry, I apologize." It was very Star Wars. Like Darth Vader started choking his neck a little bit, and right. he he suddenly had a change of heart. I really have a lot of questions. I asked the listeners, you know, if you guys have a better sense of like what's going on exactly with Lawrence. Why does he have like this total say over everyone? We all get it. He's the quote architect of Gilead. But this whole idea that like he can just have this Hong Kong experience where it's like one country, you know, like like or one leadership over two countries and how that's going to work out. I, I don't know. This hasn't been explained enough for me. And maybe I don't have enough history in in my recesses of my brain to be like, oh, hey, I totally get how New Bethlehem's going to work. And I understand it. For me, New Bethlehem is doomed from the start because you have to go with the idea that the parents would be possibly okay with continuing to live in any type of a setting that's not truly free just in order to see their kids. It seems to me that's exactly what Serena's going through right now. And what we just said is, well, they would just bide their time and then snatch their own children and get out. For as smart as he is, and for as big as he can think, since he never had kids, that's an emotional and intellectual blind spot for him. Just he can appreciate human nature sort of like in the data, but in terms of how people are actually going to act with parent and child relationships that have suffered like June and but in we just haven't seen other ones he's totally miscalculating the Hong Kong reference is also probably just very finite because when the British handed Hong Kong back over to China 
they maintained a certain level of like their own local rules and laws and things that were just for Hong Kong, sort of like what he's talking about with New Bethlehem. Right. But he intends on New Bethlehem to be like a pilot for reform. Right. Then he referenced Singapore and talking about somehow like modernizing the country. Again, I. It's a good starting point, I guess, for a comparison, but you're right in terms of like, how is this actually going to work well, beyond who, like year one? And like, who else besides Lawrence wants this? Like who else in the commander world is like, great idea. Let's have this like other situation. Well, maybe Nick, but no one else. But even they, does Nick, you don't think Nick is happy with Rose and happy with the life he has? What I know is that where we saw Lawrence post angel flight, where he was inches away from being executed to now he's acquired a lot more power mm -hmm. even than when he even than when we first met him when he was just sort of a backwater guy you know uh retained on sort of a, an emeritus level because he was the architect of course so you might as well keep that guy around but now he's more active you're right he may be in, for all we know he may be the biggest deal in boston but in boston yeah and that, I, I, I don't know. I just, for me, I'm like, how would the guys who sewed people's mouths shut be okay with New Bethlehem? And how is this not going to turn into just falling apart instantly? I think maybe you combine what I was saying about his new clout with the fact that he designed the system. And maybe that gets you a little benefit of the doubt. I, I'm sus. Now, what do you think about the fact that he's very much leaning on june as being like the linchpin like if she comes to new bethlehem then she becomes this like ambassador where she is legitimizing the safety because surely june osborne wouldn't be there if it wasn't safe and then also like kind of creating like a like a following right because all these mayday people would likely follow her and i understand the idea of having new bethlehem is pretty smart because they are having a problem with people fleeing, having these mayday outposts, like having all this stuff. If they provide an alternative, a safe place you can live, a place where you can see your kids, you're not in this total lockdown situation, then maybe they thin the ranks, right, of all these defectors. Also, we can't forget that Canada, I mean, in this episode, they ratcheted up their hate for anyone staying in Canada. Do That's you, true. do you feel like that was going okay? Like, do you feel like that was all, I'm sure it's very realistic. People really, really, really have a finite amount of empathy when it comes to refugees. I feel like they do, especially when resources feel like they're being used up or whatever, that when it suddenly starts to feel a little squeeze on their life, they're like, you know what? No, I, we were like cool for a little bit, but now we're not. Did you feel a little retcon go on when Moira's like, well, when I came, they weren't okay when I came? Because I, I don't did. remember that. I did. If we had gotten just a few lines here or there or, or something to show us that what you're saying about Canadian resources being stretched, then we're in Texas, you know? Yeah. So we have an immigration issue here in our state. And when it comes times for elections... Someone's going to point out the wait at the emergency room or different or overcrowding at schools or, or limited police response time or just right. all different kinds of things that when you have people that aren't paying into the tax base still needing to use those services, it gets stretched thinner for everyone. Right. And 
And it's we not all that know that as adults, right. but they haven't said that that's what the Canadians are complaining about. And it's not that like no one has empathy for the situation. Everyone has empathy for the situation at first. And I feel like that's what they showed with the Canadians. Like when Luke came, they were like cheering and happy. And, you know, and then even really when we saw, remember Emily and Moira and remember the shock blankets. The standing and, o, right. Yeah. Right, and, the, and the let's go get you taken care of with glasses and all these kind of stuff like all the things that they did, everybody was seemingly very gracious and, you know, it has kind of tapered. I don't know if they should have shown more of that to us or if it's like just, I mean, I feel like without the push from the Canadians, there still was this feeling of June and Moira and Rita don't really belong in any particular place because the trauma that they went through makes them stick out in Canada. They're not re they don't really belong in Canada in their hearts for June, of course, having Hannah and Gilead, like she wants to go back there. But then when you leave, like where's home, like, where do you go? Your home America, it doesn't exist in the same way. So what do you do? You know, what did you think of Luke suggesting they move to Europe? Oh man, Luke. <laughs> Believe it or not, I do empathize with the guy because he's done what he knows to do. He's not going to charge into Gilead and get her back. He's not. He's just not. And I can empathize with that. But she kind of has done something close to that in a way, right? She's, uh -huh. she's survived there. And so when he says we should just go to Alaska, Hawaii, Europe, or something like that, I understood what he was, what he, what he was getting at because... There's like an immediate safety issue, you know, with what he does have right here and now. Yeah. Nicole, Moira, June. And there's a sense of, you know, like that protection, that self, you know, not only just for himself, but like for Nicole and for June. I mean, there's other people here in the mix that you, you're right that are in danger as well. I, I have two two little like things that were floating around my brain while you were talking. One was, you remember the scene in Steel Magnolias when Sally Fields is sitting by Shelby's in, in Shelby's uh, hospital room and is showing her the fall fashion and yes. and her husband comes in Sally Fields husband comes in and says like you should come and his name is drum and eat some dinner and and Sally Fields smacks his hand off her shoulder and says like get out of here like I'm not eating anything like my Shelby needs me there's that kind of feel of Luke being like we should go somewhere else where we're all safe and it felt like June slapping that hand off and being like I'm not safe till my Hannah is safe. You know, I can't leave. I can't do anything because she's not safe. So, so stop being so stupid, you know, stop trying to make suggestions of how I can be more comfortable. I, it makes me think of the NICU when people would say, oh, well, since your babies are in the NICU, you two should go on vacation. <laughs> and me and you would look at them and say, you, you can't take a vacation from your, your brain, from your heart, from, you know, all your feelings. Like, we can't go anywhere because even if we physically go somewhere, our babies are in there, you know? We can't be happy and calm and normal until they're with us, you know? The other thing that <laughs> was floating through my brain, which is completely different, is that Luke feels like one of those Happy Meal cars that you get where you have to run them backwards and point them in a certain direction and you let them go and they just whoosh and they always fly off the table yeah. and crash somewhere, right? And you have yeah. to go find them behind the couch or something. That's how Luke feels. He needs somebody to run him back every time and you can point him one direction and you just have to let him go until his, his wheel stops spinning because the man does not pivot. Anytime there's new information, he doesn't stop and pivot because he was already run back 
<laughs> been told, you know, we're going to do it this way. And then so he just zooms forward, you know, reports Serena, gets everybody there to steal, no, you know, to take Noah away, all that kind of stuff. Like, because somebody already ran his car back and pushed him forward. So that's the only direction the man goes, you know? It's a little off-putting to me because I'm like, come on, man. Like, you have to have some amount of read the room now, right now. I know we ran your car back. I know we pointed you one direction, but cars have steering wheels, Luke. Like, turn the wheel, man. For all the closure I felt like we got in the episode where they were both in the cages, and I was like, man, this is closure. This man can die now because this is closure. They said sorry for everything. They're on the same page, all the things. And now here, she yells, She's like, you never did anything. Like we had the whole, it's like, it's like all wounds reopened, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's how she truly feels, it regardless is. of how she tried to put the toothpaste back in the tube there. <laughs> that is how she really feels. It is. And so, I mean, I don't know about this couple, you know, once again, we go back and forth with like, oh, you know, the closure. Oh no, they're not going to make it. Oh, closure. And then in this one, Commander Lawrence offers up and you can be with Nick. I hadn't even considered that she wants to like be back with Nick. Like I wasn't, I didn't have him on the table as like a love triangle in my brain anymore. I kind of had let that go. Is she going off to sleep with Nick? She's not going to turn that down, but it seems she's like. She's not going to turn that down? No, she's not. Oh my God. He's her summer camp boyfriend. <laughs> oh shit. Well, so I didn't realize. Yes. Luke's just her husband in Canada. Right. But when she's not in Canada, exactly. what happens in Gilead stays in Gilead. Well, until you run away, bring it to bring a baby to Canada and make <laughs> Luke raise it. <laughs> then that's a whole different situation. Oh my God. So I so but wait, do you really think that Nick was a pole? Was that like a was that like a big thing? Like, hey, you could like make out with him like behind the cars. Well, I mean, it's both. It's both things. It's it's that Nick has he and Nick have a closer relationship and they seem to be closer to the same agenda or similar oh, yeah. aligning agendas. And yes, like you said a minute ago, discounting the actual emotional drivers of how people think about big decisions like moving to an enemy country. Yes, it would be a gigantic win for him to get June on his little island. But my question is romantically... Is Nick this draw or is it? I mean, it's 100% Hannah, right? There's no Nick isn't actually a draw, is he? I mean, uh, beyond like protection, I understand she, she would think, oh, maybe I'm more safe there because Nick's there and he's always looked out for me. I'm talking pure romance, sneaking out in the night. Like, is Nick uh, actually still on the board? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, if you have a, if you want to have a tit for tat on the, on the men here. Yeah. Um, there's one guy that's going to file um, a complaint with City Hall. Yeah. And there's another guy that's going to pull out his gun and shoot you. I'm you know? Shoot you. Shoot the person who's going to hurt me. Right, right. Mm, so these are two very different levels of protection. Yes. There'll be a complaint filed versus someone shooting someone who might hurt me. <laughs> I got you. So I get it. That certainly is a pull. You know, but I uh, for the battle that she has coming, it might take a Nick. Can you imagine though? Okay, say they go to New Bethlehem, 
right? Yeah. Now, first of all, the, I mean, I think they laid it over and over between the conversation with Rita, the conversation with Serena, over and over. Rita said, if I could go back and find my son and be with him, I would do anything and be with him. She she tells Serena, a mom can't help a child unless she's with that child. That's the only way that you can help your child. So you have to be with them. They laid it out over and over again. I don't know how she's not going to New Bethlehem. Like, I don't know how this isn't happening. It seems like it's heading that way. I don't know how we get around that. Certainly, it creates a lot of drama with the Nick Rose sitch. But also, so then does she take Nicole? Imagine that for just a second. Okay, you're right. Do you take Luke? Do you take Nicole? That's a good question. But then, I mean... But if you don't, then isn't that... I mean, why don't you just wear a sign around your neck that says, I'm only staying until you all close your eyes and then me and Hannah are running away. Because right. if you don't bring Luke and Nicole, it's like, obviously, you're not intending on staying long term. Right. You're like, I just need a room. Yeah, exactly. Uh, can I can I pay <laughs> hourly? Right. New Bethlehem <laughs> seems like it would work better as a as a meeting point destination rather than like a full residence. Like a vacation? Yeah. A resort? Yeah. Well, I mean. Come see your children? I don't think. <laughs> it's well, the opposite of a of a adults only. It's a, it's a bring your children. Meet your it's kids. It's the exact opposite, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's a little like North Korea. No one no one goes there, you know, just to tool around and see the sights. You know, even though they may have family there, it's a big fat diplomatic deal to get there. But if you could have this little Hong like, Kong like waiting if, area. No, like if like the don't they have like the DMZ zone, right? They do, but that's a formal meeting no, area. But let's pretend you could make that into an okay. island of houses. Okay. That you Same could come yeah. and you could, you know, spend a week at the pool, right? play games, catch up. catch up, what are you doing, how many husbands do you have, Right. have you been raped this week, do what's remember going how to on, read. yeah, do you want to read a book, or I could read it to you if you feel uncomfortable reading. Exactly. Seems like it would work better for that than- Picture bingo. Than, than someone deciding to stay there full time, because in the back of my mind- the second that Lawrence loses influence, here come the troops. Oh my God. The second, uh, okay. You know how I imagine it in my head? I imagine it one of those situations where there's like a net that's actually <laughs> underneath the entire island. <laughs> and the second that someone, you know, gets pissed off by Lawrence, someone just jerks the top of it and the net just goes around the entire island and just lifts it up out of the ground. Absolutely. Because how do you not think it's like that? And, in a society like Gilead, there's always the next leader is just waiting on the heels. Putnam would have said, I can do anything a week ago. And then he got yeah. one between the eyes. He didn't see that coming, you know? And so that's the we thing. For just a second. Yeah. <laughs> just the barrel of the gun, really. <laughs> right. But I don't know. It's a lot of trust. Not trusting Lawrence, honestly. It's trusting this entire Gilead system that somehow if Lawrence you know, dies tomorrow or there's a coup and suddenly he's out and somebody else is in or whatever. It wouldn't even have to be a coup. Literally, they could be like, we had a meeting last night. You're out. Right. Someone else is in the end. Click, click. Yeah. That's all it takes really. Then what? Like, what are you actually putting your faith into to go there? Lots to question about Lawrence's big plan. It seems like New Bethlehem is a concept, but it relies on too many people sticking to an agreement on both sides. It requires all these parent refugees who have who have successfully defected. Mm -hmm. 
suddenly being cool and also losing all passion to defect, right? They're cool now and have no burning sensation to get out of here. And it's trusting the entire Gilead government structure, people across the board to never, ever flip on what they've said and become brutal torturous and or just grabbing you all up right these are the same people that destroyed the united states of america like 10 years ago so right totally a trustworthy bunch i yeah just yeah exactly so i say new bethlehem bad deal um, I wouldn't want to go. And we know that new t- the, the testaments are coming out and you guys already, this is not a spoiler or anything. We already know that Nicole, Hannah, and Aunt Lydia are in that. I assumed the setup would be Nicole lives outside of Gilead completely. Hannah is living inside Gilead completely. But for all I know, this could be like a root and somehow Nicole gets skunked into, what if they go to New Bethlehem and Hannah gets up and Nicole gets sucked in? Yeah. Because yeah. hold up, let me throw you this one. So you live next door to Nick. Let's say you live there a couple of years. Nick has this daughter, Nicole, who he loves. Maybe Rose isn't able to have kids. Maybe they never do. But he's got Nicole living right next door. Talk to me about how at some point he doesn't fully be in love with this child and be like, I want her. And you can leave and you can take Hannah. But I want her. So Yeah. So ipso facto... Here we go. I got a baby. Status symbol, right? You got to yeah. have a baby or else you're nothing in this DNA world. DNA test, bro. I don't really know. I, I, Nicole better have some eyebrows as she gets bigger because right now they made her so super blonde. But she needs some some Nick black eyebrows. Yeah. Italian that up a little bit. <laughs> One aspect of Lawrence's story that I enjoyed, even though it proved me wrong, was that he fleshed out a little bit more of his motivations. Okay. In a previous podcast, I had put forth the theory that he knew he had done wrong with Gilead and was working behind the scenes to try to fix it. But my assumption was that he wanted to like re-America America. That is not the case. He considers strongly America a, a failed experiment. Right. Like capitalism and democracy great try one for the books <laughs> but mm. it, but it, but it didn't work but he knows that things went too far so i was a little right but but my my landing area was wrong okay but i but i still enjoy finding that kind of information out even when i'm wrong yeah 100% i think that my feel for him and i still put him in this category he's like a mad scientist to me when you have a mad scientist i feel like there is this element of curiosity, of true science, of true experimenting, of trying to figure out a better way. He feels like he's he's found the cure to this fertility he's issue. He's proud of what he's done he to an extent. Very much is, but you but that's you're not just a research scientist, you're a mad scientist because you twist the dial and you'd be like, and it went too far. And you like let it go too far and you didn't put the, you know, kibosh on earlier. So it's interesting. I think Bradley Whitford is a real tricky choice for this casting because had someone else been playing him like say how i really disliked putnam i really disliked mr wheeler i think that there's things about the way that they're being portrayed by the actors that is so gross and unlikable and creepy and all those things there's something about commander lawrence that is has this warmth and has this sophistication and has this brain behind it that you feel like i know we should all hate you a ton more than we do 
Because there's so many people who actually like really, really hate Serena who will be like, ah, and there's good old Grandpa Lawrence, you know, but Grandpa Lawrence is bad. He's a bad dude, too, you know, but I think that that's Bradley, you know, to me, that's mm-hmm. that's his charm. That's his twinkle in his eye. That's his little smirk. That's his glorious beard and pompadour, right? These are the things that make you be like, I guess I could go for this guy. He's pretty charming. I think it's real life actually reflecting how people would really be. Why JFK could win because he's handsome and he's charismatic and all that kind of stuff. Like there's something about Commander Lawrence's actual aura that seems like you could listen to him and believe him and follow him more than say Putnam or Wheeler. Whether it's physical charisma or like one thing that appeals to me about him is um, he's clearly most often the smartest guy in the room. Mm. And I'm often inclined, not not always, but often inclined to at least hear that person out. Even if I'm not on their level or I believe that their ideas are too out of whack with reality or something, but it's still a point of view worth considering. Or at least just hearing. Yeah. And he capably portrays that. We have one last major character to cover. That would be June Osborne and her events. Like I mentioned in the preview i guess to this episode she returns her focus from either you know dealing with serena or revenge activities to that laser focus on hannah when you mentioned steel magnolias it actually reminded me of isn't there a line in that scene it's either that scene that you mentioned or just after that when they decide to to uh see spoiler alert life life support with shelby that drum can't stay in the room as she's as she's dying and there's something about everybody leaves except for but it's something a connection between is it women or mother and child or or something that men can't take do you remember the exact line or or the sentiment of that of that oh scene? Some, something about how you know they're presented as the stronger sex i think and then that that in reality it's the women something they're like the that. steel magnolias literally right something like that, but it's something. It's it's a it's a line. The sentiment is, yeah. is there, and I think that's what we're what we're seeing with the way that the writers have put the words into Luke and June's mouths here. So a fascinating thing that we have between Commander Lawrence and June is this pass off of the CD with the picture of Hannah, right? And that is a huge renewal of like hope and everything. Now I have a question for you. Yeah, we just discussed how smart and how forward thinking Commander Lawrence is. I am highly dubious of the CD that he gives them that they can see her and all this stuff like. Is this a test to see what they do with the CD, whether they pass it on to a government official, whether they choose to try to infiltrate Gilead themselves and do something with this, whether they cho- choose to try to identify other children in the in this, in this CD that, that they're given? What do you think Lawrence expects of them? It seems too vanilla and too basic to think that all they were going to do is just watch their own kid. He is a five steps ahead kind of guy. The fact that they could extract location metadata from the video, would Lawrence know that's possible and the possible consequences of providing that information to June? That's really part of what you're asking. And I think that's totally feasible. That's my question. Does he know and is purposely handing this information 
knowing the first thing that these people are going to do is run to that location? Or was he truly just giving them a picture of their kid to lure them into wanting to make a decision about New Bethlehem? Could be both. No, could, don't you. Yes, it could. It could be, say, 75%. All right, I'll give you this. And I know that this is a risk by providing this to you. So I'll have to see if I need to take steps. Why not just give them a photograph of her? Why give them a CD with all the information, knowing that information? Well, either way, picture or video. A you, photograph. You, you, you could have. You could have. Oh, a photograph. No, a photograph. Just right. a photograph of her. Nothing digital. That's a good point. Yeah. See, and that might have been enough to be like, okay, I'm going to lean towards that was just to get them to come to New Bethlehem. You but know, a photograph. You're right. Wouldn't have provided the test. It would have just been like a proof of life. Proof of it. life, exactly. Which is what you could have said the CD was anyway. It was simply a proof of life. But proof of life with extra info. Does he expect them to do something with this? And in that case, is this all a trap? Mm. Do they pass it to Tuello? Do they end up giving it to Mayday? Do they end up like, is he tracking where that little CD ends up going? It's possible. You know, put it in the drive. He's it starts smart, up a little right? tiny program that, yes. that gets out over the net. Something, something, something. Ah, I don't know. See, I don't even know that that stuff. So what? That could be even like virusy kind of thing, you mean, to like track something? Yeah, just a little virus. Ooh. I mean, as far as like TV and movie viruses go, I don't see why that That's wouldn't true. be plausible. They could just say that it does that. Yeah, exactly. Even if it doesn't. <laughs> Interesting. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like proof of life would have simply been a photograph. I don't think it had to be any type of digital media at all. So I'm really wondering. We just spent so much time talking about how smart Commander Lawrence is. I feel very hopeful when she comes running out of that grocery store and she's so excited and, you know, we're playing like upbeat music and we've got this running going on and you feel like, oh my God, yes. And my heart was like, Commander Lawrence is awfully smart. Right. And I really, really hope that somehow this is simply on the up and up. This is simply just to show a picture of Hannah, but it doesn't feel good. There aren't very many episodes of The Handmaid's Tale that leave on a high note. That's true. So, (laughs) nerve wracking. I don't know, you guys. This is a lot going on. We only have two more episodes in this season and then one more season to go before we head into the Testament. So this is going to be quite a bit that we still have to cover. We still have to figure out. Do you think by the end of this season, do you see them making any type of contact with Hannah? Zero? No. Although- How I, does the finale work They then? are working Hannah into the episodes a little bit more. Yes, the gardening scenes, all that stuff. We have in our house a fan of the works of one Don Bluth, yes. as you may know. Yes, we do. It's our middle kid. And she is known to sing a certain song <laughs> about a mouse missing his family. Oh, and this is like a little fievel. It reminded me of that, that same sentiment about being under the same sun or moon, like the same I mean, big sky. Yeah. They, they could have been singing the mouse song <laughs> to each other. <laughs> the mouse song. Somewhere. Oh my God. It's a little somewhere out there for you. Yes. A little, is it Michael McDonald? I can't think of who sings it, I think it, that's but I right. think it is. Or, oh no, it's, um, 
Who? It's Linda Ronstadt and... Uh, Not Michael McDonald? I think you're right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> 80s people. Regardless, it's a mouse song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they're singing the mouse song. So they're both underneath the same big moon here, right? So yeah. what does it mean though? So what does it make you feel? We've only got two episodes left. So do they don't make contact? They just have to keep looking at the same big moon? Yeah, they don't. How do they end the season? Then, Paul, what happened this season? Well, it depends on how they're going to tamper with the Testament's source material. Because if okay. they don't, and barring any switcheroos, like you described a minute ago with the uh, with June's daughters, then this series is not going to end in a way that people are super okay with. You know, one of the things that I'm a little bit... I've taken some like real moments of thinking about when you already announce essentially a spinoff, right, of the next of the show where it's kind of not. I mean, it's kind of like a sequel, I guess, in a way. But that's weird because it's a TV show. So you would just continue the story. There's no reason you can kill off whole cast look at freaking walking dead and stuff you can you don't have to have gone off into different series i know they did they did do that but at some point you had like almost no members of the cast you know in walking dead anymore right right so it's like they didn't have to start calling it something else because like, it just still be the handmaid's tale but just all of our original cast we were like now a generation down the line and you just keep going you know <laughs> Right? Right. You didn't have to create another series. Why I ask that or bring it up at, at all is because it does make you think like, does it allow you to have this kind of soft ending on Handmaids where you don't have to have this miraculous fireworks and here's how the entire series ends because you already have this spinoff sitting there. You could do the book's epilogue and leave the show on sort of a on sort of a current timeline cliffhanger okay to give you a good reason to want to start watching the testaments okay it wouldn't be a great meaningful ending for the people that only want to watch this show and they're done with the handmaids and that's it but that epilogue would at least give them some kind of closure not the exact kind that you normally get with a tv show okay but something interesting you guys i'm very curious because i've not i've not followed a show like this where it's gone on and you just get that feeling of like we've asked from the beginning what is a successful ending for this show what is a satisfying ending for this show does everyone have to be out of gilead does gilead have to implode are we just happy with hannah getting back with her original family what is success what is like i am happy as an audience member with what i saw and at this point i don't know the answer i mean it seems mm -hmm. to me if we don't have hannah and june standing next to each other although that could be in new bethlehem or that could be in gilead i don't know it like i think that part has to happen there has to be some sort of meetup of hannah and june right even if it's fleeting it seems like it has to happen yeah i agree with that after that. that, I'm pretty lost. Everybody else feels like phew, red shirt. They kind of are. They kind of are. By saying we're basing another series on the Testaments, you're, you're, you've painted this series into a box a little bit. I think so, because this whole world can just kind of fizzle out because you're going to start a new world. And that, that feels 
like a little strange as you're as you're coming to the end of a season. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you guys. We're looking forward to what's going to happen with these guys. We're definitely watching every week. We hope you guys are too. Please give us some feedback. Tell us what you're thinking about with this series and what would be a satisfying ending to you as we're looking forward to the Testaments coming out. This is Caroline. And this is Paul. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. A five-star rating helps other people find the podcast and listen to our wacky theories. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.